Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our text this morning comes from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, the second chapter, verses 4 through 10. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which is God has prepared in advance for us to do so. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we spend this time in your word, speak to us, O Lord. Speak to our ears, our hearts, our souls. Speak to our very being. So that we would come away from this time with you. Not just as hearers of your word but as doers of your word, telling all the world that your love abounds, just as the choir reminded us. Your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Last week in worship, we explored day six and seven of creation, that part of the story that tells us that we were created to help bring order out of chaos, to do good, and to practice Sabbath. Essentially, what we are is we are an extension of God's creative powers. We are endowed with gifts of creativity all of our own. Gifts given to us by God who loves us. I like this idea, this idea of creation and creativity. I mean, creative is one of the greatest adjectives, I think, that we have. I mean, think about it. When you use it in terms of like creative writing or creative arts or creative problem solving, it sounds really good and exciting, right? But there are places where you do not want to use the word creative, such as creative accounting. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, that's how the whole Enron thing, those of you remember that, that's how that went all, uh, you know, crashed down around us. But the reality is God has blessed each of us with endless possibilities to do as we've been created to do. We've been given gifts to manage all of creation. Remember on day six, God said, you know, I'll create male and female, create human and humankind in my image and give them dominion over all the earth, over all of creation. So we've been given these gifts of creativity to manage, to be stewards of what God has provided us. And so what we just need to do to make the world a better place is we need to rediscover what we were created to do, this gift of creativity and our purpose 
in God's kingdom in using that gift. So as Paul is writing a church in Ephesus, he's writing a church at the crossroads of the ancient world. I mean, Ephesus is kind of right there where Asia Minor and the Middle East begins and right where Europe ends. It's this perfect spot. And so you've got this confluence of cultures right there in Ephesus. You've got Greeks and Romans. You've got Jews and the irreligious people. You've got all sorts gathered together. And he's building this church out of these people. And so his message is one that emphasizes the love of all of humanity by God. By God through Jesus Christ, the fact that he sent his son to die on the cross for all of us. But in that, what he focuses on is a message of grace. That we are saved by faith alone, that we are saved by God's grace. But he doesn't shy away from sort of what happens in this cultural confluence. Because what he's addressing is a controversy that's starting to bubble up in the church. This idea of, I can earn my salvation. If I do enough good things, God will save me. And he says, no, 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 no. That's a staple of the old Greco-Roman pre-Christian worship that you had to do certain things to make God happy. He says, no, 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 no. God created all of us just as we are and loves us just as we are. God saved us knowing that we were broken and faulty in our God saved us through Christ So all we need is salvation by faith alone, faith in this grace, nothing else. It is grace that has saved us. However, but because we are aware of God's works in Christ, because we're aware of this grace, one of the things that we can do is we are created to do good works in the world, to show the world how much God loves it by the way we act. And so to this day, each of us, every one of us has been born to recognize the love of God in Christ for us. That's first, to recognize that God loves us so much that he sent Christ. That's the first thing. We're born for that. But the second thing is we are born to glorify God with our whole lives. And thirdly, we're born to serve God by loving God's children, by loving people the ones around us. So we'll start with this idea of grace first. Just sort of get a baseline of what is at stake. So when John Wesley began the Methodist movement, he really began to emphasize, he saw that the Church of England at the time was focused on forms and structures and had taken out that relationship piece. So he begins his focus on this personal relationship between God and humanity, between God and the individual, between God and me, between God and you. And since from the time of creation, God desired this very close, this personal, this really great relationship, he begins to tell everybody that this is what it's about. It's about this idea that God loves you so much, he would give anything, including his own son, for you. So the Bible begins to tell the story of God's immense faithfulness to humanity to the point we begin to realize that we are created and born in a state of grace. I mean, that's the whole point of prevenient grace is that grace comes to us even before we know that we need it. So our faith in Christ acknowledges the grace that we have received, but it also acknowledges the grace that we must extend to each other. I mean, think about this for a minute. 
I mean, we are broken, right? I mean, we are not all perfect. There's nothing, not a single one of us in this room or watching online or over in the community room, not a single one of us is perfect. We're flawed in some way. And yet God loves us enough to lift us up and to make us whole, to love us in spite of us. So shouldn't we extend that same gift to each other? To the person sitting beside you, two rows in front of you, someone that you will meet or at work or wherever, shouldn't we extend this gift of grace to everyone that we come in contact with? So we realize that we are born in a state of grace, born to love Christ. We also begin to realize that we are born to extend the gift of grace. So why don't you take a minute with me. Take a minute and think about your life. Your friends, your families, your co-workers. Who do you need to extend the gift of grace to today. Do you know who that person is? Who do you need to extend the gift of grace to today? Or maybe it's tomorrow when you go back to work. Or later this week at the meeting. Part of your homework this week is to extend the gift of grace that you have received to that person. And so once we start with this idea of grace, we begin to realize that not only were we born in a state of grace, we are born to glorify God with our whole lives. And we were going to do something with our lives, with all of our time, with all of our talents, all of our energies that begin to glorify God. Now, I love the parable of the talents in Matthew where Jesus is talking about you know, the, the rich man goes away and he gives one of his servants five and he gives one of his servants two talents and one of the servants one and he says, I'll be back. Now they know he's going to come back and ask for an accounting and so one invests the money, the other one invests the money, the other one buries it and we get into this. And so it's a great, it's a great parable to talk about faithfulness and money, gratitude and money. And don't get me wrong, we need to focus on that. I mean, we really need to take a moment. This is not that part of the, uh, of, of the sermon. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to have a money sermon today, but, well, if you'll permit me, just take a moment and look at your checkbook. Does the way you spend your money reflect gratitude? That's just a side. That's like extra credit. You can work on that one on the side. But what this parable is really about, it's also not just about money and gratitude, but it's also about our innate gifts and our stewardship of them. And see, stewardship is about the managing the property of another. It's like a caretaker, if you will. So we do that with our money. The gifts that we've been given, they come to us from God. That's all God's money. We just, how we use it is a sign of our stewardship. But there's also other things that God has given us. Your abilities, our innate skills and talents. How do we use them? How are we good stewards of those? And do we use them to glorify God throughout our lives? Here's an example. One, we, we had a member of our church who went on a medical mission team. He went and he went along because he'd heard mission trips were good. He's not a medical person at all, but he said, you know, I will go, I'll help out. Because every time you take one of these medical missions, we take doctors and nurses and medical professionals, but they always need someone to kind of help, you know, greet people. So there's always a spot. You don't have to be a doc or a nurse or a medical professional to go. So this guy goes along, he said, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And he gets there and someone sends him to the supply closet 
to get some bandages. The supply closet is a train wreck. He finds the bandages rummaging around, he takes them back. But he's found his purpose now, because guess what he does in the real world? He does logistics, organizing supplies and getting things from A to B. And so what does he spend the rest of his mission trip doing but organizing the supply closet so that when someone says, I need more bandages, they're right there. Gifts and talents, glorifying God. Or maybe it's the medical professional who also has been given this musical gift to, to play music and to sing and just loves it and hears, says, I hear God in the back of my head saying, I've also given you this gift so you can heal people, but you also have this gift of music. Do something with it. And so they help out with the music ministry of their church making what church does sound better, to glorifying God, not just with the healing arts, but also with the arts, the musical arts. Or maybe you are like me. Maybe a perfect day for you is a day in which you get to build a spreadsheet. Maybe you're the spreadsheet king who loves to do these things in columns and numbers and formulas and pivot tables and all this. And you get more excited, the more complicated it gets you. You just almost can't sit still. It's like Christmas morning and your neighbor calls you and says, I've totaled my car. I need to buy a new one quick. This is what I want. Can you help me find the best deal somewhere in the metro area? And because you are that person, the spreadsheet king, and you have raised a son that's a spreadsheet king, the two of you sit out and you build a spreadsheet, finding all the cars with all the options and all the dealers, all within a 40-mile radius of town to find the best deal so that your neighbor can make the best informed decision because the data says so. See, my friends, all of those instances are somebody taking the gifts that God has given them in life and using them to glorify God and to make the world a better place for all of us. And the reality is this. You and I, we glorify God by the way we live our lives, by our talents and our skills, by our time and our resources. And we need to do those to make a difference in the world around us. We need to be used, employed, deployed, sent to the world, full of the audacity of God's grace, armed with these gifts, that our lives might make the world a better place. So part two of your homework, what gifts has God given you this life? In your life, what gifts has God given you that you can use this week in a way that will glorify God to make a difference in the world. And so when we begin to realize that we're born in this state of grace, that we've been given gifts to glorify God and to make life better, then we begin to realize what Paul writes in verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. I love that. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, we are created to love God by serving people. Or you can flip it around, we're created to serve God by loving people. I mean, it's fair to say that none of us objects to this idea, the idea that we should love people, right? We don't object to this until people get to be, as one of my colleagues on staff says, people get to be people-y. You know what I mean by that? I mean, you know, it's, it's great to talk about loving people until people sometimes become humans. 
till we become broken, till we show our flawedness. But nevertheless, no matter the brokenness that we see in the world around us, no matter the attitudes that people cop and throw in our directions, we are still called, still created to serve God by loving people. See, that's where the rubber meets the road is when we begin to engage in relationships, engage in conversations with others. That's where trouble enters in because we want to help, but we want to do the most loving thing. And sometimes we get paralyzed because we're not sure what the most loving thing to do is. But it starts right here in our hearts. This idea of grace, this idea of gifts and talents, this idea that we want to share that love of God with the world. What I mean by that is, is a couple of authors, Stephen Corbett and Brian Fickard, they wrote a book called When Helping Hurts. And the idea behind this book is to help find a better way for the church to do missions. I mean, I think about this, if you think about sort of, imagine with me a flood, a dam bursts and water pours through the town and it washes into people's homes and people are just, the water is rising, they're not sure what to do. That's an immediate need. That may look like someone that they are, they are hungry or uh, they need medicine or they need some sort of emergency repair on their home. So what we want to rush in is we want to bring them clothing, we want to bring them food, we want to patch up their home. That's what they call relief. That's the first step. That's keeping water from coming into the house. That's relief. That's where we, a lot of times we start. And that's not a bad thing, but the next step is rehabilitation. This idea that what we want to do is restore people to wholeness. Not only want to keep the water from coming in, but now we want to sort of help things come back together. We work with people. Instead of doing something for people or giving something to people, we begin to work with people to lift them up so that we prevent the flood from happening. To rebuild their lives. To help them see that there is hope not just a handout. Now we're giving a hand up together. And the final step of this is what they call development, this kind of idea of ongoing change, working side by side with individuals, working with people and processes to ensure better outcomes for the entire world. So not only is it to get the water from out of the house, not only is it to keep it from flooding the house again, it's to keep the dam from bursting so that the community of God is built up. So we think about this idea of relief and rehabilitation and development, we begin to think about where do we act most often. A lot of times we don't go all the way to the development stage. A lot of times we just are content to put a Band-Aid on the problems we see around us. And that's good, because sometimes you've got to stop the water from coming in. You've always got to stop the bleeding. But my friends, we are called, we are created to do more than just that. We're created for something greater. We're created to truly love people. And in doing that, that we seek safety nets and better living conditions and better opportunities for each other and for all of God's children. We're called to look at the issues our world faces and figure out, use that creativity that God has poured into each of us and to do creative problem solving, creative solutions, creative care, creative love, so that all of us across the world can succeed and win at life. What that involves is as we rise each day, realizing that we are given this gift of grace and sharing grace with each other, 
we've been given gifts and talents and we try to figure out how to employ those to glorify God through our lives. We begin to ask ourselves, am I doing the most loving thing for the people I see in need, for the people that are struggling? So think about those people for a minute. Who do you see, who do you know that is struggling in life? What I hope you will pray about this week, this is your third part of your homework, by the way, what I hope you will pray about this week is pray that God will show you how you can use what God's poured into you to creatively walk side by side with those people that are struggling and help them find higher ground, better ground. So that as the text says, I will keep the waters from washing over you. See, my brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God demands the best out of each of us. It demands the best out of our church. It demands the best out of those who follow the risen Christ to use our creative thinking, our creative problem solving to find creative solutions. But it takes each of us, every one of us, to go burst forth from this hour of worship, to go forth armed with God's grace, using our very lives, but serving God by loving people in ways that God is glorified. That, my brothers and sisters, that, my friends, is what each of us, every one of us, is created to do to go forth, serve God by loving people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.